0: Welcome to a special edition of the Plant Network podcast. Plant Network have very kindly allowed the Merlin Trust to take over for this particular episode and we're going to find out a little bit more about who the Merlin Trust are and what they do. from Sally Pettit, who is Head of Horticulture at Cambridge University Botanic Garden, and is also the Chair of the Merlin Trust Board of Trustees. So Sally, tell us a little about the Merlin Trust.
1: Well, the Merlin Trust was set up in 1990 by the fabulous Valerie Finnis who had been a career horticulturist um, she was one of the water perry ladies and she had an extraordinary training and an extraordinary career particularly being a female in that era make such great strides into horticulture and become such a renowned plants woman was something quite extraordinary so she was quite a hero anyway and during her working life, she met Sir David Scott. They bonded immediately and married wonderful life together. He died, and she really felt she wanted to do something to honour his memory, but also the memory of his son, Merlin, who was killed in action in Africa in 1941. And so she set up the Merlin Trust. The aim of the Merlin Trust was to encourage young people in horticulture and give them opportunities that they might not ordinarily have. Today, we are still able to enjoy the benefits of her, I think, extraordinary gift. And certainly, I feel very privileged, A, to be a, have been a trustee of the Merlin Trust and currently um, chairperson, but also to have actually been a recipient of the Merlin, of Merlin Trust Awards twice during my horticultural career. That is, for me, a real thrill. And Supporting and encouraging young people in horticulture is something that I'm very mindful of. I know many of my colleagues and peers are very mindful of. But I think Valerie particularly set that, I guess, also almost train in motion. She was one of the first people who really actually thought promoting it as a career, you know, she was at the very forefront of of professional horticulture, particularly for, for ladies. And she, she really was incredibly visionary. As a trust, we're able still, as a consequence of her gift and her endowment, we're still able to give charitable awards to young people in horticulture. It's been a real treat to me, not only to have the opportunity to travel to China and Pakistan as a Merlin, but also to actually be able to see other young people and help other young people through her bequest to actually enjoy that privilege. And so, during my time on the Trust, we've seen countless number of people travel all over the world. It's a real community and does provide this fantastic opportunity for people who you know may not be able to afford at the beginning of their career to travel either independently or with a group, and just to study floras and other gardens in other countries and and gain a, a greater understanding and appreciation of botany, of plants, of plant habitats, and how other gardens function in areas all over the world. And so it, it's, a, it's a brilliant opportunity. And I think, you know, we really do want to be encouraging still today in the, the trends that Valerie said to encourage people to travel and continue traveling and continue to have those opportunities.
0: Merlin Trust has has changed a little bit what it funds over the years. So I wondered whether you could explain a little bit about what currently the Merlin Trust funds and um, kind of what makes a good application as well.
1: Today, as I think many people did, we had to review what we were doing in the Covid era. So currently we award grants for people to travel across Europe. And actually we felt that this was, it was quite a difficult decision, but we felt it was quite an important decision and that it was a a good decision because there are so many opportunities on the continent. The UK has such a fantastic gardening heritage that often our gardening heritage is overlooked at the opportunity of going somewhere more exotic. So we're very, very mindful also of the fact that horticulture has changed, that the the world is changing. And that actually, there are issues today that weren't prevalent 30 odd years ago, um, you know, in 1990, when Valerie set the trust up. You know, we are very keen that people do actually think a little bit more about perhaps some of those climate change issues. When we're looking at applications, we're looking for people who are very enthusiastic and interested in the subject we hope that they research their project well so that they they know where they want to go but they will also we will also ask them to actually describe how they're going to travel what the cost will be have they thought about you know sustainability in their travel process so if they're traveling in the UK perhaps they're traveling by public transport rather than driving we hope that people will perhaps think about not just going to look at a nice garden or a nice flora or a nice, I don't know, European mountain, but that perhaps they'll connect with people over, you know, in these destinations as well to get the most from their trip. And often it can be quite daunting if you've never travelled abroad or travelled to see another garden, but actually making contact with somebody is Much easier than it was when Valerie set up the trust, obviously. But also, generally, there is always somebody there who's very, very happy to help you. So it's also a fantastic opportunity to network. There is quite a lot of research, I think, that people need to put into an application. But I think we're quite kind and generous as well. (laughs) We would predominantly expect that applicants would be horticulturists, but also that they have actually thought about what they want to get out of the trip, and how they might use it in the future.
0: Thank you, Sally. Um, And just to say that gardeners are the friendliest people. So if you're ever in doubt, contact the Merlin Trust with your queries. Or, you know, when you contact your potential host garden, people are always so welcoming. So do get in touch with them. So now I'm going to talk to the newest trustee of the Merlin Trust, and that's Lee Hale, who's head of Winterbourne House and Gardens in Birmingham. Lee, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Horticulture's been with me since I was a small child. I always enjoyed being outside. I spent a lot of time in the garden. It's been an important part of my life. When I was uh, about 12 years old, I had a glass house for Christmas where everyone else else had some BMX bikes and I had a glass house. so, So that was my kind of first introduction to growing plants, really. I was very fortunate. I got a placement at Birmingham Botanical Gardens when I left school at the age of 16. Did a training scheme there for two years, and then went to Perchel College. I at Perthshire College for quite a few years. Uh, did a certificate, a diploma, and then went back and did a higher national diploma, and returned to Birmingham Botanical Gardens as a supervisor, leisure learning lecturer. Also worked for myself in a self, uh, self-employed capacity for, for a few years. Worked at a garden centre for a little while as a plant area supervisor. Had sort of varied experience and also some time in, in a, a private state as well. And then ended up here at Birmingham, my hometown. I've been at Winterbourne for almost 20 years now. Although I don't work in the garden anymore. Horticulture is still important. And the reason that I do this job today is to support this this site that, that I'm really passionate about.
0: And that's wonderful. And it's even more wonderful that it's still an active university botanic garden. And because it's a university, it's young used by the students and young people. And that kind of brings us to the Merlin Trust. I, I wondered whether you could tell me a little bit about why you are a trustee, you know, what, what it what it what the Merlin Trust means to you.
2: Yeah, well, I was delighted to be asked uh, to be a trustee about 12 months ago now. Uh, I've been passionate about horticultural education for a while. Winterbourne is an RHS accredited training centre. So we deliver level two and three RHS courses here. And that's an initiative we started about 2017. That's been incredibly popular. I personally have been concerned about the sector. I know everyone that works in the sector has been worried uh, regarding the skills shortage. Many sectors have experienced skills shortages over the years, but I think uh, horticulture has been uh, quite severely impacted by that shortage. So anything that we can do to support education, training, skills development is incredibly, uh, incredibly important. Uh, Any opportunity we have to increase people's knowledge and skill set um, should be taken advantage of. And that's why I, I'm, a, I'm a trustee at Merlin to help support that process and give people a chance to develop their CV and their knowledge. Working in a botanic garden, having a, a placement or spending some time with a professional in the sector really does develop knowledge and confidence as well, I think, as you move through the sector and, and take on various roles within horticulture.
0: I wondered whether you have any advice for people applying, any hints, tips, anything that you just want to to say to potential applicants.
2: As with all applications, be clear about what you want to achieve, what the funding is for, make sure it's realistic and that you're, you're going to be able to again achieve what you want with the application form itself i think make sure that it, it it's not it's not too long but we do need enough information It In may be three four hundred words is a is a kind of i think is a, a sort of good number to look at keep it fairly succinct but make sure that you get the main points across how is it going to develop your skill set how's it going to develop your knowledge what area are you looking at developing who will be working with you might want to put people that you're working with the key contacts and this sector is so broad you know there's it, defining horticulture is is quite a job it's a, it's a massive sector it's usually split with all the mental horticulture and commercial horticulture but you know there's there's a place for if if anyone's interested in plants and the natural world wants to develop their skills uh, wants to learn from people or you know maybe a conference or a symposium or work experience and if it's in a slightly different area of horticulture that's great you're developing that skill set you're developing your knowledge and again as you work through your career you can then identify different opportunities within the sector so i think it will help it makes contacts as well that's the other thing you know you're developing building networks which is also really important my interest is is. It probably in sort of horticultural, horticultural heritage, actually, uh, how we can serve historic sites, uh, how we uh, develop and conserve those skills related to horticultural practice and husbandry, uh, and also the associated items that help all of that work together, as well as ensuring that horticulture provides for the public, the space that gardens sit in, because well-being, welfare is also an increasingly important role that gardens play, not just in in supporting changes to the to biodiversity and ensuring sustainability, but also in relation to people's well-being, welfare as well. I think they play an increasingly important role.
0: Lee raises an excellent point about health and well-being alongside biodiversity and sustainability, as these are topics the Merlin Trust has focused a lot more on in recent years. So let's hear from one Merlin who recently completed her project. This is Michelle Woodall, who is a student at SRUC, Scotland's rural college, and Michelle undertook a summer placement at RHS Garden Bridgewater in therapeutic horticulture, earlier this year.
3: I've noticed that when lots of people speak about this they often talk about being interested in horticulture from a young age and I absolutely wasn't. Nature was the thing you occasionally passed through in the car so my interest in nature and then later horticulture has been a slow rolling thing and I think it's probably only been in the last Five years I've begun to really notice them. I think it was something to do with COVID, probably. So I was a psychotherapist, and during that time I found myself working outside quite a lot and I hadn't before. But also I'm loving it so much. Like I've I've actually just changed a garden design from horticulture because probably because of the placement. And partially understanding, the, I think I've wrote in my report something about like what I need to know to become like a, a good community gardener. But there's something about creating the space which seems so, so important for that kind of role. Why did you apply to the Merlin Trust? Because I heard somebody speak about applying to the Merlin Trust actually. I can't remember his name, unfortunately. He came to speak to our class about basically applying. For, if you're interested, there might be somebody out there who's willing to fund you. So just give it a go. I did.
0: <laughs> well, thank you to that mystery person for for promoting <laughs> us. That's fantastic. They did a wonderful job.
3: And you gave me some money, which is great.
0: <laughs> and you did a a great project. What has that project meant for you so far in your in your very short
3: career in horticulture
0: and potentially garden design?
3: I began, I guess, with a a sense of anticipation. I was quite nervous because I wasn't sure if therapeutic horticulture, even though I had sort of some ideas that it might be for me, I wasn't totally sold. In going to RHS Bridgewater to the social prescribing, it, it was, yeah, it just made so much sense to me. It just, it lit a fire inside me again like uh, which I it used to have very much psychotherapy so and it also made it really clear what skills I could do with having that I don't already have and um, which is quite a few but not insurmountable
0: <laughs> that's good that it's it's lit a fire in you but also I suppose led the way showing you where, where you need to go and what kind of skills you need to to mm. develop in that area so that that just shows you what work experience placement yeah be like and what it can do for you
3: yeah it was only three weeks and it felt so long if it also felt confusing that I'd only been there three weeks because I think I made some really good connections and it felt like I just started and I was all fired up and ready and then I had to leave (laughs) looking
0: back on the application process and you know, your work experience and then writing the report, whether you had any hints or tips for, for people who were thinking of applying to the Merlin
3: Trust. I think there's something about being honest about what it is you want to understand and digging into that a little bit about why that might be important, not just to you, but maybe also the world around you. I think taking nice photos was quite enjoyable on, on the time and I think it made my report look quite pretty.
0: As I say images not only make something pretty, they make it accessible as well. I really enjoy
3: having the space to re- reflect on things. So the report helped me to do that.
0: And that's what it's there for. It's hopefully a, a record for everybody. Well, for everyone who takes part in a bursary, they can go back and they can read and they can see where they were at a particular time in their life. Mm, yeah. uh, but also inspire other people. That's the other thing is to to try and encourage other people to to explore the world of horticulture and different aspects like therapeutic horticulture.
1: We'll now hear from two
0: prize-winning Merlins, Tracy Fahey and Rosie Trehan. Tracy and Rosie won the two prizes that are offered annually for the best report and best use of photography as judged by a panel of trustees for 2023.
4: My name is Tracy Fahey. I'm a gardener, I'm a florist, I'm also an artist. So I'm now I'm trying to combine all those three things together. So I Applied to go and do forest gardening design course with Martin Crawford in Devon. My interest is in food growing and productive horticulture. So I wanted to go and see what he was doing down there. And as we're all worried about the climate, I want to garden in a way that is a bit more resilient to the extreme weathers that we're having at the moment. I think forest gardening is a good system and what he is doing in Devon he's actually sort of thinking ahead and and thinking about temperatures rising and crops we can grow and also a lot of the crops are not familiar foods so it's learning how to how to cook you know how we eat them yeah so that's my reasons for wanting to go to do the course in Devon. Well this is actually my first year of growing Some, I haven't harvested a lot of the stuff. I'm growing something oca, which is Oxalis tuberosa. So that's not ready to harvest yet. Where I'm actually growing these things is a community garden, and I've had a few problems with people stealing my plants, <laughs> so that's uh, been a bit of an issue. But I have I did a, a residency, an artist residency in the summer, which was an artist gardener in residence. From that, they've given me a herb garden, a walled herb garden to kind of take over it's in Norfolk so it's not close to home but I have to sort of manage it maybe like a a maintenance job where you just go sort of four or five times a year so what I can grow there using this forest garden systems which does require less input so I I think it's achievable but I also uh, volunteer at Chiswick House in the kitchen garden there and we've been growing New Zealand spinach there which has been very successful and just other things mashua is another veg I'm going to try next year the problem that I'm having at the moment is actually getting hold of the plants because they're quite hard to get hold of but hopefully next year I'll really get going with it
0: any hints or tips I mean if you were reapplying was there anything you'd suggest to somebody
4: I would say apply state your reasons for wanting to go why it's going to be useful to the work that you do but even if you don't if you're not successful try again you know because I've had plenty of funding that's you know been unsuccessful so just keep trying and you can just improve on your application each time I wouldn't have been able to do the course without the funding so totally valuable thing that the Merlin Trust does so it's very much appreciated it was an amazing experience you can read all all you want I I could have done a lot of research online which I did do before I went but actually going there and seeing it in practice I mean it really had a much bigger impact than just reading about it. So
0: I think that's that's exactly why the Merlin Trust was set up. There's there's a lot written about horticulture and there's a lot of information out there that you can dig into, but it's not until you actually get out and either get your hands dirty or talk to other people face to face or just see it that, you know, it, it gets your enthusiasm going, doesn't it? And it it gives you the opportunity to ask those questions as well of of, of the experts. Thank you, Tracy. We'd like to introduce you to a Merlin called Rosie Trahan. So Rosie, tell me a
5: little bit about yourself and why you applied to the Merlin Trust. So I'm currently working on Exmoor in the southwest of the UK and I work as a garden designer and horticulturalist and I set up my little business three or four years ago Before lockdown in 2019, but before that, I worked for the RHS and I was a horticulturalist working at RHS Rosemore in the edibles department, so growing fruit and veg. And that was actually fantastic. It was such a learning curve and really, really great to be growing food and and growing almost organically in that connection with where our food comes from. But while I was there, there was one person on our team, and he used to go away to all these very exotic places uh, regularly, at least once a year, Kenya and Zimbabwe, and, and I was quite envious of him. He was a real inspiration to apply for a bursary because all of his trips were bursary funded, and he used to go off looking at really exotic things that I'd never even heard of. And then one day, a lady came round to our mess room and she just did five minutes talking and explaining that there is pots of money available for for travel and for travel bursaries and for funding for horticulturalists. I think she was RHS, but I was aware that there were other pots available. I can't remember how, but I came across an organised trip by the Mediterranean Garden Society to go to Jordan in 2020 and I, things just coincided and I thought, right, I, I actually would love to do this and just bite the bullet and go for it and I was lucky enough that I had people in my team at work and they, you know, they were helpful in encouraging me to plough through the paperwork because the, the forms did seem a little bit daunting and so I applied to the RHS for part of the funding, but the Merlin Trust also provided the funding as well. So I was lucky enough to have the costs of the trip completely covered by the the two, by both. And it was a great adventure and, and fantastic to see plants in their native habitats. And we had an author and botanist, Oron Perry, who's Israeli, and he's an expert on plants of the Middle East. And he led the trip. And I was the youngest person by a couple of decades. But we were scrambling over hillsides and along roadsides and in very different terrains, looking at quite exotic plants, bearded irises, rare irises, and orchids, and some really fantastic plants and fantastic experience. And one that I would highly recommend. And I think that there is sometimes a lack of awareness because I'd worked in horticulture for probably eight, nine years before I applied for a travel bursary. And I had people that were willing to help to give me a few pointers or proofread the application for me. But that was my first application. And I was just in the nick of time with the Merlin Trust because I was coming up to 35. So there was a, a cutoff age after 35. So that probably spurred me on a little bit. It's a good incentive, isn't it? When the eligibility criteria are being
0: met. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and has has that trip
5: had any lasting
0: impression on you?
5: Well, it was actually great to have the experience to write the report afterwards. And it coincided with lockdown in 2020 with that first great long lockdown period so it was great to have that challenge of writing a really in-depth report and through doing that it made me research and dig a little bit deeper and really look more deeply into the culture and history of Jordan but you know obviously the plants and the habitat as well Although I haven't really been able to specialise in Mediterranean gardens because I'm on Exmoor, it's winters are long and wet and cold and perhaps the climate's not quite right. It has been really lovely to share that experience with a, a lot of my clients and to share the report with them as well. It's been a real point of discussion. If
0: you want to read Rosie's report, and it's a, it's a prize-winning report, then do visit the Merlin Trust website. Thank you to all the contributors in today's podcast. That's Sally Pettit, Lee Hale, Michelle Woodall, Tracy Fahey, and Rosie Trahan, who are all talking to me, Rebecca Slack. If you have any questions about the Merlin Trust and would like more information, or to find the application forms and eligibility criteria, please do see the website and just search for the Merlin Trust.